funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. Yes, we deserve this three, man. Fox Force 5 flying high in both times. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know, hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like, that's, that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. And continuing the series of Is Sacramento Worse Than?, which I'm sure I'm going to get continued crap for, and, and Sacramento will probably win games as I start this series. But today's is Is Sacramento Worse Than Minnesota? And today I brought on a uh, familiar voice and guest of the show, Dane Moore. Um, that runs the Dane Moore NBA podcast that is Timberwolves-focused and also one of the newer members of the Blue Wire family. Uh, what's going on, Dane? How you doing? What's up, man? Um, I'm good. I'm good, you know. Just, uh, just plugging along. You know, what are we, 16 games into this right now? I, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's just I'm really feeling the, like, condensedness of the schedule. Yeah. And, like, I think I think for the Wolves, it's uh, they either play every other day or back-to-back from now through February 27th and have been for a few weeks right now. It's like never, never do they have two days off in a row, which from my perspective, not to complain or anything, it's just, you know, it's just kind of hard to get in those, like those recharge days. Sometimes in normal, you know, normal years, you get like three, four days off randomly here and there. And you'd be like, Oh, it's what a weekend's like, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun. I think honestly, it just is, it's costing me a little bit on watching, you know, watching other teams uh, like Sacramento. I mean, honestly, I usually try and stay up on the, you know, everybody in the league, but like a team, team like Sacramento, I probably only watched like one or two games this, this whole year. Yeah, and that was kind of the point of this series for me because I, I definitely relate to that, and and I would assume that a lot of Sacramento fans and, and people around the league feel the same way. Um, Sacramento's on a kind of outlier break right now with the two Memphis. They had a Memphis back-to-back on Sunday and Monday, and obviously Memphis games have gotten postponed with uh, contact tracing for maybe maybe about a week now. Um, so yeah. they do have like an outlier couple days off that I, I know I've been enjoying a little bit. And, and yeah, for the reasons that you said is kind of why I've started this series. Um, and I think you can, you can thank the Timberwolves for that. Oh, <laughs> because, really? Yes, because, I mean, it, I, I only – make a joke because it's the only way to kind of get through all this right now. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, Memphis pretty clearly got the virus um, from Minnesota because, you know, Jonas Valanciunas tested positive and he, you know, it was shortly after Carl Anthony Towns tested positive and those two were, you know, guarding each other the night before. So oh, it's I didn't realize this. without, I mean, as it is with COVID, there's no way of, truly tracing it back, but within reasonable contract tracing, um, you know, guidelines, it seems like that's the, 
the link to connect there. So yeah, and, and yeah, and, and COVID and, and various injuries have kind of uh, led to some of the early struggles of the Minnesota season that we're going to dive into here. But but starting with going into the year, um, what what were your expectations for for this Minnesota team? I think I had them pegged as the 14th team in the West, uh, right neck and neck with Sacramento. I placed 13. Where were you at going into the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I was more thinking about I, that kind of like 12 through 15, maybe 11 through 15 in the West. I guess the the non uh, you know non playing teams. That's kind of where where I had the Wolves along with Sacramento right there going in. I, I don't think I put a specific like spot um, in the West on it, but I, I was kind of um, I was kind of thinking they would fall just outside of the plan because um, you know I, I just think for where the Wolves, how they're kind of set up that to be able to be a playoff team, um, they need to be an elite offense. And I was just kind of like going through before the season started and, and looking at, you know, how hard it would be to be truly elite um, in the West. And I, I really, it just kind of framed my whole, my whole idea on a win total for the Wolves was just looking at how many good offensive teams there are in the NBA right now. And and even if the Wolves really do kind of find a little bit of like Chris Stapp's Luca with Cat and D'Lo, like even then it, it's still hard to put them as a you know a top ten offense. So I kind of landed on thirteenth for them uh, offensively this year going in, and then defensively um, I had them I, I guess was twenty second, and and that is. The defense part's kind of been a surprise to me. I, I kind of twenty second is, is probably higher than most people in Minnesota would have thought, um, because they just don't have a lot of defensive personnel uh, or talented defensive personnel. And what I really was was kind of banking on was that they they run this very conservative or last year ran this very conservative defensive scheme that basically just dares teams to take mid range jump shots even if they're wide open or floaters even if they're open and. And I thought that there was just some math in there that would kind of allow the Wolves to be a bad but not atrocious defensive team. And and really kind of what the biggest surprise has been to me is that they've kind of deviated from that um, that super conservative approach defensively. I mean, they were just a straight drop your big team. And, I mean, the, the defensive coordinator's famous line is solid is enough, David Vanderpool. And – and and they've they've been they've been more aggressive and they've done things a lot different than they have in the past. So so it's kind of you know it's hard to like take note of some of these things and 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 come to conclusions from them because the roster's just been so decimated. Namely with Cat, so much of what they do, whether it's defensively or offensively, is just constructed around having Cat. So it's really been. It hasn't been a surprise that they've been bad without him, but it's it's just really kind of been messy. Yeah, and uh, you know we we try to steer away from defense on this podcast as much as possible, <laughs> with uh, Sacramento being historically bad at that. But no, no, we'll get into that at some point. Um, but I mean, does Cat coming back? You know, do do you think that schemes kind of go back to what you saw before and? You know, I my impression, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, is a lot of the complementary players are are defense first. Um, and, and the impression I got was, you know, they are the offense. who who I'm thinking of a Kogi and Culver. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I guess okay. is the yeah, main yeah, yeah. two. 
That's true. That's true. Jared um, Vanderbilt's kind of proven to be, he's starting now with Wancho out. Right. So he's kind of in that too. But I, I guess, I, yeah, if yeah. you talk like Beasley and Edwards, it's all on the other end of the ball, right? Well, and D'Lo. Right. And, and Cat historically. Right, right. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's Kingsy, you know? It's like yeah. they got a lot of buddy heels. Like, they do. Um, which, I mean, you know how it goes. It goes both ways. Like, it's a yeah. weapon. It's a, it's a, what, what, a proverbial double-edged sword, right? Yeah, have you have you at least had moments to hold on to? Like Sacramento, you know, they started okay, and at one point uh, they baited me into asking if they were going to be a top fifteen defense, and they answered that question super quick for me, um, <laughs> <laughs> very fast. They answered that question after good starts against Denver and Phoenix. Um, it, have you there at least been moments to hold on to of like flashes from young guys? Like Sacramento's been able to look at like De'Aaron Fox having what was it? I think forty three and thirteen one night. Halliburton looking like a steal of the draft and and Holmes like leading the league in effective field goal percentage. Have you at least had like silver linings to hold on to with some of the young talent? Um, I would say I mean, it's only been four cat games, but I mean the the silver lining is that in those four games, Cat looked awesome defensively, and you know I mean that'll get kind of I mean very not Buddy Heald. And and that's always kind of been the difference between, right, like somebody like Heald who who probably just doesn't physically have the capability, right, to be a good defender. Like with Cat, with Cat, he 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 does, you know, a- athletically and and with his size. And so it's always kind of been the mental game with him. And and if you go back and and you watch Cat's minutes this year, he really is more attentive to the defensive end than he is the offensive end, and that's. I mean, that's a huge stride. Like, he was just kind of cool with being a passer offensively. I mean, he's still getting his, like, 20 a game. But but it's very different than last year. I mean, they would – last year the whole the whole Wolves thing was offensively is they just running delay action, like, up top with Cat, you know, five-out offense, and it was just, okay, you're the quarterback, Cat. Like, pass it from here, shoot it from here, pump and go from here. He had a little step-back game he was – like from three, he was he had worked in, and and now it's just so much. Again, only four games, but what they're asking him to do is so much more balanced. Um, in in kind of asserting just as much attention to the defensive end as he does to the offensive end, and and really that's the like, if the Wolves are ever going to be good, like that's a requirement, you know. Yeah, cat has to be good defensively, and and so like. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we, you and I are classically conditioned to find like a little wonky, like, oh, the ninth man silver lining sort of stuff. Right. And, and there's been some of that, like Jared Vanderbilt looks like an out of nowhere, like player who's, who looks definitely like a rotation guy. Um, you know, and there's been, there's been some, there's been some flashes from, from other guys. I mean, Josh Kogi's kind of going like full Lou Dort with it. Um, which is, which is fun, but, is that a, but a compliment. Lot of, yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, within 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 me. I mean, defensively. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he's like he's like six four. And he's playing power forward a, a good amount. Yeah. For the well, he's the Wolves' best power forward. Jeez. Which is um, yeah, that's yeah. another one of those double edged swords. Uh, but <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, it's like yeah, there, there's there's little things to latch on to, but as far as like the bigger things that you'd be looking for, which would be you know Anthony Edwards being awesome right away, or D'Angelo Russell taking like massive strides in his efficiency or in his defense, um, you know I, I don't think we've we, we've seen those things play out. Malik Beasley 
would, would probably be, be one. He, he's kind of proven he's a legit 20-point-a-game scorer on good volume, good efficiency, which is just meaningful. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I really think that the one the one thing that Wolves fans kind of can't hold a little bit of solace in is that, you know, Cat, like if we're going to get – a good run of cat actually healthy for like 30 games once he's back from COVID. I, I, I think you can, you know, this isn't being all, I mean, I think, I, I think you can, you can picture cat being pretty awesome for those 30 games I mean, more than he ever has been before. Yeah. Um, defensive strides for him are obviously just extremely important for the Minnesota team. Does that change um, this idea of like pairing another big beside him? I mean, because my impression was, yeah. you know, that was to kind of um, cover up some of his deficiencies on the defensive end. Well, they've done the opposite of that since Gerson Rosas took over last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, you know, they, the roster before, you know, Cat was here was they had Taj Gibson and Dario Saric at the four. And they didn't bring back Taj. They traded Dario Saric to, you know, to move up for, for Jared Culver. And they just signaled right away. I mean, that was draft night. They traded Saric. And, and I remember asking Gerson Rosas at the, at the press conference after that, like, yo, what, who's the power forward now? Right. <laughs> and, and he was like, Robert Covington is, is, is best fit at the power forward position was his answer. And so that was really the first kind of tea leaf of like, oh, you know, this team is going to, this team is going to do one, one guard, three wings and one big. And this was like before it was cool to think of Robert Covington as like a small ball center, you know, um, right. and 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 they've kind of just continued to to roll that out last year with obviously you know Covington before he was traded, and then um, Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, who's who's like six nine, but he's like two hundred pounds, you know, is is slight of build at power forward, and then they've messed around with. Guys like Akogi at the four, guys like Jay Clayman at the four, Jared Culver at the four, like. They aren't doing the two bigs. They never, you know, they never have. And that, I think to many people, was, was counterintuitive to the idea of, like, you need to shore up the defense and the physicality in the front court around Cat. And and really, Rosas has, you know, taken the other path and said, no, Cat just independently needs to be great and, and be, you know, be the physicality in the front court because we want to run. We want to shoot threes. And, um you know, that that's just been the roster construction priority for two years now. Yeah. And transitioning over to, to Anthony Edwards, I know you did a lot of draft coverage and our podcast over the, uh, over the hiatus and post bubble was a lot focused around draft content and um, yeah, Anthony Edwards ended up going number one, obviously has had a shaky start to, to his career, but uh, people are very quick to jump to conclusions. And I, I could say the same thing on the other end of the spectrum with Halliburton uh, already claiming him a multiple time all-star, a lot of people, which uh, might need to <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit there. Um, what have, what have you seen from, from Edwards and, you know, the efficiency is uh, ugly. If you just look at the, the, um, the box score numbers on 12 points a game and 34% from the field and uh, 27% from three. Um, but w- what have you seen in any sort of flashes or maybe worrying trends? And, you know, obviously quick to – it is very early to judge 16 games right. in, but what have you seen from Ant? Yeah, I mean, I, I think from Ant you've seen those efficiency numbers, but you've also seen – I mean, if you really watch the film, some things really – stick out there too for, for good and for bad. Num- and then same thing with the numbers. But I think in the film, what 
what we've seen kind of confirmed is the hypothesis that he has an elite first step and that he is in is a really high level passer right away. I mean, you saw it at Georgia a little bit, but it didn't really get labeled in his, you know, his profiles that he's a he's a live dribble passer, going to the right, going to the left. He's able to snake a pick and roll and and kind of work from that 15 foot area to you know to to make a pass if the big comes up or you know to attack through if that's what the game sort of dictates. So on some levels, you know, it's 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 very encouraging in that you see the outline of a player who you know who could be elite offensively. Um, and then at the other on the other hand, you, you you look at the numbers and over the last the last seven games, he's shooting twenty four percent from two and twenty five percent from three. Man, I mean. It's pretty much every night you look at the box score and it's like, oh, five of 14, you know, from the field yeah. and, and half of those are threes, you know. And they're is, just, it, is it bad shot selection? Like that was a knock on him coming in, um, right? I think what's really killing him right now is is actually like his shots around the rim, you know, which is good shot selection, right? Particularly for a yeah. 6'6", 230-pound guy. But he's not making anything around the rim and he's not getting fouled. You know, and I mean, some of it, the, the stands would tell you that, you know, he's not getting a good whistle or whatever. But yeah. we're at the point where it's been, what, like 100 shots around the rim and he's not making them. Um, and so so I think it's it's less of the, like, I don't think the, like, settler, chucker sort of guy thing has, has really come to fruition. I mean, there, there's for sure instances like that where, you know, he'll hit a couple threes and then he'll kind of fall in love with it and start pulling up. Um, whether it be from three or, or from mid-range, and he's, again, just not a very effective shooter right now. But I would say it's less so shot selection, actually, and um, and more so just, like, picking the spots and converting within those spots is, is – that that's more been the issue there. And then really, like, I, I would say – like, I, I do think that the shooting numbers are going to balance out. Like, mm-hmm. it's clearly going to be better than 24% shooting on from two or three. Uh I think what's concerning is he's got a long way to go defensively. And um, just in terms of, of really understanding how NBA defense works, reading offensive actions, he's struggling navigating screens. He's struggling with the whole kind of volume man concept of of seeing where the action is going on the on the strong side and what he's supposed to be doing on the weak side. A ton of the time he's getting cut back door, that sort of thing. So, I would say that's kind of holding him back from from maybe playing a bigger role on this team. It's I think it's why they, they I think they've only closed one game with him this year is because it's kind of like Wiseman, like they don't trust him to to execute if the game's close down the stretch. And um, I think a lot of that's about defense. Yeah, which is which is where uh, Halliburton has kind of been an outlier for the draft class. I think guys like him and Vassell and and probably like yeah. Pat, Pat will um, you see some flashes uh, from. Uh, but he's a little bit more of a raw prospect for sure. Um, yeah, um, w- was Ant the guy that you would have taken one? I would have taken Lamelo Ball, but okay. I, I was I like, I was in like full cop out of like Lamelo one A, Ant one B. Like I yeah. didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with it. It was kind of like not Wolves specific, but just like in general. I think you had to ask yourself the question of not only roster fit, but kind of like, you know, how much. How big do you want this to? How big do you want to blow this out? Like my, my opinion going into the season was that Mellow Ball is the player who you draft and is is the most likely to make your current best player a lot better. 
And I think Anthony Edwards was the most likely player in this draft class to become the best, yeah, the best player on a team, right? The, the problem was, is that, you know, the odds of LaMelo recognizing that role, being the guy who makes the best player on the team better, I thought, you know, that's like a 60% proposition where, where Ant becoming the best player on the, on a team is like a 10 to 15% proposition. So it is kind of about like, what, what is your team's, like, how much do you want to swing for the fence here? What is your, what does your team need? And I think what the Wolves kind of came down to was they look at their roster, even with Cat and theoretically with an optimized D'Angelo Russell, and they're still just, that's still just not enough talent, you know? And they really need a third guy uh, to be a star. And so I think that was the bet, right? Was that Anthony Edwards does have the chance, the best chance in the draft class to be a true star player. And, you know, and, and they rolled with that. And I, I, I get that. I, I get the logic behind that to some degree. I just think it's more likely that LaMelo recognizes what those of us who are high on him, uh, you know, kind of predicted. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have any issues with, with Ant going one. Um, I I will say so, like, I've already turned to draft content this year. Um, I can't help myself, and I, I genuinely think, and it, not fully, but, I mean, they, they lost so many games in a row of 130-plus, and I just could not get on the podcast and keep talking about the defense being horrible, which, you know, an aspect of it was – um, they they had these terrible third quarters. I want to say they had 12 quarters in a row of giving up at least 30 points in a quarter. Um, and a- aspects of it were like I think of the Clippers game in the third quarter. You come out in the first two minutes, you just look – the team looks so disengaged. Like there are bad defenders they're rolling out there. Like I think Heald and Bagley are two of the worst de- positional defenders Um for for where they play but you know there, there's guys like like fox is is standing upright um and, and just disengaged at times and, and you could say that for barnes at moments um do you feel like there's been like you know some lack of engagement or um just disappointment and not not fully invested because the season hasn't been going well at times or certain rough games that lead to um, some poor performances from the team, or is it just kind of personnel? No, 100%. I mean, it's like, and unfortunately this has happened a lot, where they get down by 20 in the first half, and it's just like wave the white flag, you know. And and it's not like that they're not trying. It's, it's that, like, I, I think when you have a team like Minnesota or Sacramento who goes into pretty much every matchup where they have less talent than their opponent, like the way to win is to out execute the opponent, right? And and I think on the Wolves end, like they beat the Pelicans two games ago. Like obviously that's a more talented team. Would you just like I mean, what did the Pels start? Adam, Zion, Ingram, uh, Lonzo, you know, like and yeah. then you look at the Wolves and they're starting Nas Reed, undrafted player a year ago, Jared Vanderbilt has played like fifty minutes in the NBA, Malik Beasley, this is his first year really starting ever. Uh, Josh Kogi, you know, he's a role player. And then D'Angelo Russell, like, you're not, you're not going to just like roll the ball out there and hoop and be like, well, we're going to probably, you know, score more than you are. Like, you're not, like, you, you, you have to kind of be precise. And, and so they just totally lose that precision when they play a team like 
the Clippers or the Lakers who just, you know, kind of punch first. And it's like, all right, we're down 20. Like, we got to try and get it all back here with, you know, trying to play rushing things, trying to, you know, hit hero shots, that sort of stuff. And then it's just, it's just not even close. And, and you get to this point, it's funny. It's like, you look, DeAndre Russell has like the worst plus minus in the NBA. And it's because he plays in the first half of those games. And then they just sit him the whole second half when it's just straight garbage time. And, you know, the Wolves cut down a 34-point deficit to, like, 19 in the game ends. <laughs> you know, and it's like – I think that's what's frustrating in covering the team is, you know, you're similar in this way where where you want to, like – you want to not only, like, watch the team and, and have those takeaways, but be able to make, like, not conclusions, but, like, analyze some of the numbers, analyze some of the, the lineup data and, and that, that sort of thing. And it's just, it just sucks with the Wolves because 40% of the minutes – are just garbage time, and it ruins all the ratings. It ruins all the yeah. field goal percentages. Like, you can't even – I mean, with the Wolves, you, you can't even really use it. Or, like, you have to throw in all the grains of salt into it. And it's just – honestly, it's just not – It's it's it, it makes it hard to come to any conclusion with this team. Yeah, like, I, I'm, I make arguments. I'm like, no, trust me, Harrison Barnes is a good defender, and he's bottom 10 in defensive rating in the entire right. league because look at the lineup he's thrown out there with the entire team. It probably makes up somewhere within the bottom 50. Um, Can I ask uh, you a Harrison Barnes question? Yeah. Because I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, the Wolves, you know, were are playing Wiggins in, in back-to-back games, which is, you know, I, obviously interesting from a Minnesota perspective. Um and and I was just kind of like I was just kind of thinking about it the the whole idea of you know what if what if Andrew Wiggins would have been a free agent this summer you know like what what would have he he gotten um, just like on the open market that would kind of like define how much of the quote unquote overpay he is and and I think for like a, a lot of people you know or the the more cynical on Wiggins would be like oh he's like a mid level player you know and. And it's funny, like Harrison Barnes is kind of like the example, right? Yeah. And he just signed four eighty-five. Isn't that his deal? Yeah, he's got three sixty remaining. Yeah, so it's like, and I always, for years, made like the Wiggins Barnes comparison, like you know, going back, and and it's it's kind of like, and I don't know, I guess I guess correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of just understand if you want a if you need a wing player like the Kings need a wing player in Barnes or that role, that kind of three, four sort of thing. Um, that's kind of what you got to pay, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there was like a slight, you know, Sacramento tax or small market tax mm-hmm. worked into it. And Sacramento was just so desperate for a three. Like I can't yeah. remember the last decent defensive three that they've had. Um, so I think that was worked into it a little bit and it's probably like a little more, but it's not, it, it's not that far off. Like people talk about Barnes is crazy overpay. I mean, I don't think it's that much more than what his value is. So like, all right. So let's say if you could have like entering this season, would you rather have Harrison Barnes on a three year, $60 million contract or Andrew Wiggins on a three year, $60 million contract Ugh. in Sacramento? I mean, I really like Barnes, but it's it's got to be Wiggins, you know? Like, I think the Barnes thing is consistency, and you know what you're getting from him, but there's potential of a better player in Wiggins. Yeah, which which I think is just kind of the proof of, like, all right, maybe maybe if you just run the math, he's not worth $20 million a year, but it's kind of the proof that he would get it, right? Yeah. Like, if, if teams... It's like, one of the most like, valuable archetypes. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's that's what I'm kind of trying to say is is I I do think if Andrew Wiggins hit the open market, he'd probably get twenty million dollars a year. And yeah. 
And at the same time, we do this thing where it's, you know, oh, my God, he's getting $32 million. It's the worst, you know, it's the worst contract ever. It's a max, you know. And and it's funny because that's, that's sort of the, the whole justification of trading him in, in Minnesota, right, for D'Angelo Russell is that, well, you know, he's just totally not worth his max. So it makes sense to have, you know, paid draft compensation to, you know, to get off him and replace him with Thilo. Well, you go, all right. Well, that draft compensation was a lot. You gave up your 2021 first, top three protected. You gave up your 2021 second, and you functionally gave up another 2024 second for him. And and it's like, even if D'Lo was a neutral contract on his, he has three years, 90 million left. Like that compensation just is more than that gap. If Wiggins is worth 20 million, you know, it's just it doesn't. It just doesn't really line up that I I think we just set Wiggins up to be this. It was a bad contract, but we set it up to be more terrible than it actually would have been on the open market. Yeah. And in the moment, how did you feel about that swap? Awesome. Loved it. Favorite moment ever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like it was, I mean, it's so part of the, you know, part of the price is it was just so very much time to be done with Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota, just from kind of like a cultural perspective. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not like Cat Wig weren't cool, but you, you got it. You kind of like we got it. We got to do something different here in this next, you know, three years something around Cat, and 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 it just wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna happen with Wiggins. So so at some point, just if you can just switch it out for a similarly bad contract, that you know that in a vacuum is just for sure worth it. And I think that's kind of where I was at at the time. It's like, okay, like it cost a first, it cost a first, but the Wiggins era is over, and you know that's that's a win. But you know, now we sit here and Wiggins pops the Wolves for like I don't know twenty eight or something last night. <laughs> Looks like he can play defense. DeAndre Russell sits out. It's like I don't know. It, it, it just it's thus far aging poorly. But it's funny, D'Lo and Cat. It's been a year. That trade happened a year ago. They've only played five wow. games together. Wow. Five. Yeah. So that's one last year and then four this year. They've Man. never played they've never played three consecutive games together. It's nuts. That is crazy. Yeah. Right. So you, you're kind of forced to reserve judgment on that, obviously. I mean, if unless if you don't want to be totally reactionary. Like right. yeah. I, I mean, and I think that's what the front office is doing here, is they go, Well, you know, Cool, like the Wiggins part is working for Golden State. We haven't figured out if this has worked on the Minnesota side yet. That's, you know, they, they obviously believe it will. That's why they paid all that draft pick compensation that, you know, D'Lo will be a lot more productive of a player. And in tandem with Cat, like I said before, like they have trappings of the idea that it's going to be like Luca and Kristaps. Like, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's obviously an extremely high bar, but, but it's, if they are that or close to that, then they feel it's very justifiable to have, you know, to have traded that for Wiggins. Yeah. And, and so the reason that I've already, you know, at least just started to watch a little bit of college film on guys is because the way I find my optimism outside of, you know, the Fox Halliburton moments is to me, if Sacramento is able to secure a, a top three pick in this draft, I actually think, you know, Fox Halliburton and whoever coming in, 
um, Cunningham, Mobley, uh, maybe, you know, Springer Suggs, one of those, um, would really alter the direction of the franchise so drastically that I think you're very quickly looking at a really good situation. Um, how, how much do you feel like that would be the same case for Minnesota if this top three pick um, does end up landing in the protections? Well, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I know Cade Cunningham's a better prospect than Anthony Edwards, right? Like, but but I'm, I'm also living in this moment right now where, you know, I've watched 16 games of Anthony Edwards and he, as a rookie, is very clearly not a player that's contributing yeah. to winning. Just like James Wiseman isn't, you know, just like pretty much every player, you know, outside Halliburton and like LaMelo um, aren't contributing to winning from, from this class. So I think it's always, I, I think it's always a little bit cart before the horse to assume that you add any prospect, even of, of Cunningham's, you know, caliber and, and expect that they're going to be Luca right away. Right. Like it's more often than not, it takes a, a, a few years. And so, so yeah, you know, I think about it through, you know, through the King's lens and they, they, they could probably wait a year or two for Cunningham to recognize. Obviously that'd be great, totally. but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, that's, probably that's can little... wait longer than Minnesota can for a guy to. Exactly. Become, yeah. That, that's kind of my point. So it's like, yeah, would it be, would it be great if the Wolves, you know, got, you know, did protect their pick, got the first pick somehow and landed Cade Cunningham? Like, of course. Right. I do think though, if you're them, you, you have to, you have to think about making a trade, maybe not necessarily of that pick, but of maybe Edwards then to really get a couple of guys that are more ready to go right away. Like I, I've, I've long said, I think 2021 is the year where the Wolves really try and like blow it out and like, and get and, and have that third star next to D'Lo and Cat and, and then try and really start competing. And I think if you go with, you know, Cat, D'Lo, Edwards, and Cunningham, that sounds, obviously that sounds great, but that's going to take a few years before they're able to, you know, to compete. So you got to start then thinking about, in my opinion, the trade package, right? And and you can kind of use Malik Beasley, who's a, who's a very good player, on about a $15 million a year contract as a little bit of your salary filler, and then attach an Anthony Edwards to it and or or Cade Cunningham to it that pick and and now right you're you're in the market for a Ben Simmons and I think that would make a lot more sense from a Minnesota standpoint uh, than it might for where the Kings are right like Cat's yeah. two more years into his career and contract than De'Aaron is so that almost feels like that almost kind of feels like the the difference to me. Um, is that that cat's two more years into it, and they already kind of have their second guy. Like the Kings don't have, or at least uh, people don't like D'Lo, but the Wolves think D'Lo's their second guy, you know. And the Kings, right? They don't have, they don't need to get the third guy yet because they don't have the second guy yet. Like they right. want Cade Cunningham to be that. Right. In in my ideal world, Fox is the second guy, and you're able right. to bring in someone better oh. than him. Yeah. Same with Cat. I mean, yeah. Right. But. But we're talking about the Kings and Timberwolves, so. Exactly. Right. That's uh, why the draft is the only hope. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, pretty much. But, but, you know, then at the same time, too, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of part of, like, the whole cultural thing. And I don't just mean that as, like, the culture of an organization. Like, the, the Kings and the Timberwolves have the two worst culture, like, culture reputations as an organization. 
But there's like a cultural element to it where, you know, De'Aaron knows guys like Kat and D'Lo know guys yeah. um, who are, you know, 25 and under. Obviously, it's the in Minnesota, people talk all the time about the whole Devin Booker, you know, having the connection he does with Kat D'Lo or Ben Simmons and, you know, and, and D'Lo have a, have a history too, you know, so it's, it, it's kind of, I mean, in the soap opera that is the NBA, like that stuff kind of matters here too, where not only in just free agency with getting a guy to sign, but beyond that, getting a guy to kind of try and force their way there in a trade, obviously James Harden style, like we just saw in Brooklyn. Like, it seems crazy that somebody would do that to Sacramento or Minnesota. But if you have guys there who Devin Booker wants to play with or whoever wants to play with, you know, that that could be the difference. Right. Yeah, I, I think it, it doesn't take much. Like, I mean, there's there's promising pieces on both sides that I think a player could talk themselves into. Um but so part of the reason that I think Sacramento is is content with keeping Walton right now, um, and, and you know a lot of it has to do with uh, I, I believe they're still paying their last year of Jaeger, and you don't want to let go of another coach, and then all of a sudden you got three coaches on uh, on salary, and um, and two of them not there anymore. Um, I, I think that, and, and this is just you know just just my opinion and, and my read of it. Like I, I don't think that they mind not doing great this year. Um, but I, I don't think that Wallen – I'm trying to be kind about this. I think Walton actually would be a decent coach on a good team because he, he puts in this free-flowing kind of like freelance offense where guys are able to take advantage of situations if, if they recognize it. And it just swings left to right, um, but it's on guys' own to to hit the pain and take advantage of – just really, I mean, you're just going out and playing like standard basketball. There's less sets. I think there's less structure, which is very um, needed. You're describing, you're describing Ryan Saunders. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, this is, and it's very needed for developing young guys, right? Like you look at all the guys that have left Walton and gotten better since they've left. Like you look at uh, Ingram, uh, Julius Randle, um, and you know you can't help but kind of be okay. What's gonna is that going to be the case when Walton moves on from Sacramento and like the progress you saw this year? You kind of it, it seems like gets pointed to more of assistance because last year Walton was allowed to bring in his bring his entire coaching staff with him this year. Um, they tone that down to, I believe it's just Jesse Mermies is his guy still there. And then Rex Kalamian, who was even interviewed for the head coaching in OKC has come in and changed the defense a little bit. Uh, Alvin Gentry came over from new Orleans and, and it's hard to not credit like some of the progress you've seen to those guys. Um, but yes, I, I think that Sacramento doesn't mind like Walton if he is, not necessarily contributing to winning right now. Like, I don't think there's this pressure to win right now um, with a new front office. It's because you guys still have your pick. Yes, exactly, exactly. Right. And that's what I'm able to hold on to. Um, that's the difference. T- talk you know, to me about Saunders' point of view, you know, because I think the asterisk is like, I mean, like you're saying, you haven't seen Kat and D'Lo together, right? Well, that's what that's what Rosas would and has said publicly, and Glenn Taylor, the Timberwolves owner, um, has, has said that too. You know, no decisions are even being discussed because, I mean, again, this is just in their pervert. I mean, basically, Saunders is out there, like, with a team that's made up of predominantly, like, G-leaguers, you know. And um, 
it's it's just they feel like they they can't really judge him until they see um until they see Cat and Dilo play together. The funky part is though that's different than Sacramento is that the Wolves don't have their pick. Um, even if they like it's top three protected, so even if they have the worst record in the league this year, there's still a sixty percent chance that it goes to Golden State. Sweating just, on lottery night. Sweating, yes, <laughs> exactly. But like, I mean, theoretically, if if you understand those odds and you're the Timberwolves, you don't, you know, you don't tank at all, right? Like, or the teams like Sacramento and Oklahoma City and all that, like, they're just gonna lose at the end of the year. The Wolves you know, the Wolves won't have the worst record in the league. Um, but hopefully, I mean, I <laughs> would, but like they shouldn't. And um, so I don't know. I mean, that that's kind of like, that's kind of the first real fly in the ointment of, of the, the Rosa's, you know, regime. It's, it's, there's so many parallels, right? With between, uh, between Minnesota and Sacramento, because Rosa's was Maury's second in command in, yeah. in Houston before he went, you know, took the job in Minnesota, just like Monty McNair then kind of became Rosa's and then went mm-hmm. to Sacramento. So um, obviously Monte and Gerson have these very long views. It's, you know, it's, it's the Sam Hinkie, it's the Maury, it's, it, it's all of that. And um, they set up these multi-year plans. And what what is kind of broken right now is the fact that they didn't plan on being bad this year. Like clearly they didn't. They traded their, they traded their 2021 first round pick. They, I don't think they planned on competing or like being hosting a playoff series, but they, they, I mean, the, the plan was to take a step with Cat and D'Lo towards being in the playoffs this season. And, um, I mean, and is that, there a world where those guys come back healthy and you fight for a 10 seed play in? I mean, that's the glass half full, but yeah. they're four and 12. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, Cat, like, Cat both has a, broken wrist and COVID. So like he's got what, even if he's able to come back in a week or whatever, um, he's going to come back with a cast on his hand and recovering from the, who even knows what it's like. He's going to be like from a conditioning standpoint um, from just not playing. And then two from having had coronavirus. Like it's, it's hard to be like, Oh yeah. Like, Cat's back from COVID. Cat and Dilo are together. The roster's healthy. You know, roll it out there. Let's see what these 30 games are. They should probably be like 17 and 13. Like, I don't know. I, I take the under there. I, not even – that's a, somebody who I think is a belief, relatively speaking, is a believer in the Cat and Dilo pairing. I mean, it's just – I don't know how the Wolves get to, like, the middle of the season and even look like they're really in the mix there. I guess – the one thing is everything's just so condensed this year. Like it seems like the one seed or like the three seed is going to be like six games over 500 when the season ends, you know, and, and it's just going to be so condensed. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe the the wolves are on the mix there a little bit. Again, that's what I think the front office is looking at, but, um, and, and, and that's the reason that they're, they're not going to fire Ryan Saunders is because it would just, that would be a tanking move, you know, like, just because every time you fire a coach, it's pretty much always, right, like three steps back or two steps back to take three steps forward. Um, and, and they just, I don't think, without their pick, they want to take any steps backwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, you mentioned this on a podcast that I encourage anyone to go listen to that um, that you had Britt on to, I think it was probably an hour and a half pod to talk about all the issues of the team that you guys just were very in-depth. It was an amazing pod. And you talked about um, Saunders telling players to be all they can be rather than, you know, focusing on what they're good at. And I just kind of want you to to, to mention that again and go through that, because I think it's interesting from Sacramento's point of view with certain guys like Buddy and Bagley. Yeah, and I would say it's it's even, you know, less so Ryan. I think Ryan is the, like, chef of it, but, like, that's a Gerson Rosas thing. Like, Gerson Rosas, like Daryl Morey, like Monte McNair, is a home run swinger. And if you set up your guys to try and be all they can be, you know, don't limit yourself to just being a 3 and D guy. Like, Try and develop an off the dribble game. You know, oh, you can't shoot three. Shot, Josh Okogie was last in the league in catch and shoot three, three point field goal percentage last year. Jared Culver was ninth to last in it. Be all you can be. Keep shooting them because if this year you make a difference, like, and you end up being a legit three and D guy, either of them, then you know that's that's even better. Like, it's it's even better. You're more tradable. You're more profitable with or if you even if you're not traded, it's like. This idea to try, even if it's a, even if it's an unlikely proposition, and and it, it just kills the wolves. Like it, it kills the wolves in terms of their effectiveness and winning. Like they also had Travion Graham last year, who was second to last in the league in catch and shoot three point percentage. Those were their wings last year. So you have Cat in the post getting doubled, skipping the ball to Josh Okogie, <laughs> Travion Graham, or Jared Culver, mm-hmm. and they all shot on catch and shoot threes all shot well under 30% of on over well over a hundred attempts for each of them. So it's, it's just this, it's this, it's just a philosophy, right? Like that is, 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 is bold in the idea that if it hits, it will become more valuable, but it's also risky because, because you're, you're instilling, you're instilling this kind of like culture that isn't really sustainable. You're you're setting up unrealistic expectations, not only for them as individuals, but for them as a group or for Cat, you know, as as a player, and and you just don't really see it around the league. Most most guys, if they're right, you're kind of like you're either a stud or you're a role player, and the Wolves are kind of like, eh, we you know we don't we don't see that. Like just just go and be go and be everything, go and be everything they can, and it makes a lot of them a lot worse than they would be if if you just had Josh Okogie exclusively playing the P.J. Tucker role. Or if you just had, you know, if, if you had Jarrett Culver not as a guy who was shooting three-point shots. Or whatever. I mean, you know, go go down the list. Anthony Edwards, you know, keep shooting, keep attacking. Like, because someday it, it might be that. And it, it goes both ways because you, I mean, you got it. You want to develop your guys, but – they just have not capped at all what their expectations are for any players, and it leads to losing. It's it's yeah. why they're not very good. Yeah, and and I think there, there's definitely parallels. Like you definitely think of Heald's uh, regression last season of we're we're going to try to make you a playmaker, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's uh, not a playmaker. He's a he's a shooter, and you know one or two dribbles, and, and maybe shooting right on the other side of a screen. And he's a great pull up shooter, but if he's asked to create for others or handle any sort of defensive pressure, he's going to have struggles. Um, and he totally. very much excelled in 
uh, transition because that's going to get him a lot of good looks. Um, and, and Fox is obviously going to get into the the teeth of the defense and, and that um, alleviates pressure for Heald on the outside. And, and it was just like went away from Heald and Fox together too often. And, and then you see Bagley this year, like, Oh really? We're going to, we're going to assign him to, to um, Kawhi Leonard, huh? That's, that's what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> be all you can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, there might be an aspect of it. Like both of those guys. Um, well, let's say Bagley's dad has uh, been the vocal one about, you know, Bagley is, um, hot shit, and Bagley was the, Bagley was the second pick, and and there's all this, and Bagley does have tremendous potential. You know, he's only played I think 91 games now in his career. He's 21 years old, so like there's stuff to hold on to, and and Heald is very vocal of I'm not a bench player. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit of a fine line with both of those guys, and I also, um, you know, like I I, I was very vocal about like Bagley getting absolutely destroyed by Julius Randle the other night, and I just don't think that's a great matchup for him, but. Maybe you throw him out there and then he's able to watch the film and, and improve on aspects of um, where he saw, you know, he was struggling. And at the same time, again, Sacramento's point of view, I don't think you mind that that's losing you games. Um, but, yeah, a little different from your side. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely an interesting um, an interesting thing going on. And um, another aspect of it is, I mean, I think that, like, from my point of view, I think there's better coaching options on the assistant staff. And I get the impression that you kind of have the same thing with David Vanderpool, no? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not – I haven't been blown away by, by like, he's the defensive coordinator. I haven't been blown away by the, the Timberwolves' defense. Yeah. I also just don't totally philosophically agree with the concepts. I mean, obviously he's smarter than I am, but it's just a super conservative approach. Um, a, you know, a drop, drop scheme and he, what he says, like, this isn't me making up a line for him, like, be all you can be. Like, he and, and Ryan have, have talked about it, that their, their defensive philosophy is solid as enough. And, and, you know, there's just, yeah. there's just some, uh, being the nail versus the hammer to that. And, and my belief is in, in a evolving MBA right now that is just getting increasingly dynamic. Um, from an offensive standpoint, I don't think you can just wait back. And, you know, and I, I don't think solid is enough anymore. Um, I think we have way too many players that, yeah, maybe they're not making 50% of their pull-up mid-range shots, but I think for a, a ton of players in the league, if they get to 15 feet, and they can do a lot of different things from there. Sometimes if they're wide open, they can can it at a 50% clip, but you can also create out of there, spray it to the corner get a, a much higher percentage shot there, have, have Cat come up and then blow by him and, and go finish at the rim where it's a, you know, it's a higher percentage shot. I mean, what the Wolves defense tries to do is welcome you into the mid-range and then, and then have their guys stay home on the dudes in the corner. So you're taking that away. But, but the problem is, is there's, there's other things, you know, there's other things to do. And, and really the breakdown happens at the rim with Cat where the Wolves just got punished at the rim last season. Cause there's, cause there's no help. And I just, I don't agree. I don't agree with that philosophy. And it's why, you know, me personally, I don't, you know, I don't know David Vanterpool all that well. Like we talk, we don't really get to talk to the assistants all that much, but from, from what I do know, it's, it's that, that that's his philosophy. And he was in, he was in Portland before he was Terry Stotts' defensive coordinator. And that was the, you know, that was the same thing. It was the same idea with dropping Nurkic back and, 
solid is enough. Um, and I don't know, man, I just, I, I, I think, I think you fight a growing, an evolving NBA with aggression and not um, reactiveness. So, so for me personally, that's where I'm at on it. And I think, I think it's gone a little bit too far in Minnesota world where people just believe he's the, the coach in waiting as Ryan's the lame duck. Um, I think if they move on from Ryan, it'll, it'll be that somebody else comes in at, at, at some point uh, to, I just can't see Gerson Rosas having the head coach be a defensive guy. Yeah, I think there's really interesting, like, assistants out there, too. Like, last summer, I think that was one of the most painful parts is, like, there were so many good coaches moving around. Like, Atkinson's sitting on the bench, you know, um, and um, D'Antoni's sitting as an assistant coach. And, you know, I, I get that those, these situations are probably not the most appealing to those guys. Um, but I think, like, there's an outside shot. No, but there's other guys. Like, there's the there's guys that are more like the Nate Bjorkrins, right? Yeah. Who, right. Who, and, and those are oftentimes more attractive. I, I think – if I had to guess, I think the next head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves is Chris Finch, who's who took over for Bjorkman in Toronto, and he's he's their lead assistant. Um, he was in he was Gentry's lead assistant in um, in New Orleans last year, and previously was was with Houston. He was actually the head coach of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers when Gerson Rosas was the the GM of the Rockets G League team, hmm. and um, and he's a he's a quote unquote offensive wizard. And I, I think, I think that's, I think that's what Rosa's hope hopes Ryan can become. And if he doesn't, I think that's the type of coach that will replace him. And just you know, kind of going off a of historical track record, that would be the, the person that I would bet on to be the next head coach of the Wolves if Ryan Saunders doesn't eventually have the success they're hoping for. Yeah. And it, it seems like Walton and Saunders are probably the two hottest seats in the league right now. Um, is, is there anyone? Lloyd Pierce is Lloyd Pierce yes. is weird yeah. because because the difference and I don't know. I mean, what? Okay, so what does De'Aaron feel about Luke? Um, I, I don't get the impression that De'Aaron is is fond of Luke. Okay, so it's kind of like a Trey Young Lloyd Pierce, situation. right? See, so that's the, that's the big difference. Is Cat loves Ryan, and oh, okay, and and so like if Rosa's and Taylor, the owner are ever going to want to like actually breach that topic, like they got to go to cat with that. Whereas I think if, you know, Travis Slank in Atlanta brings that up to Trey or, or I don't know, I mean, you would know better in Sacramento. If, if that's brought up to, if the VAC <laughs> brings that up or Monte brings that up to, to De'Aaron, like that ends up, that ends up being a bigger factor a lot of the times than, uh, than we ever we ever know it to be. So I don't think Ryan Saunders is going to be the first fired head coach. I think the Wolves again are going to have have a very long view. Uh, and I don't know the, the Sacramento situation to me from you know a thousand miles away. It's like is Luke Walton Monte McNair's coach? I think these I think these brainy GMs have a very specific type of coach that they want, and that's why I said I think for the Wolves it's Chris Finch and for Monte, I don't, I don't know who it is, but yeah, uh, that, that's kind of my vibe. Yeah, a lot of McNair is definitely, um, you know, bringing in his his own philosophies or or staff around him, and maybe getting rid of some of Lotte's situations, like like uh, the Bogdanovich situation, for example. Like I, I still think that uh, it, it probably was a better decision to to match that, and I think it was a fine value, um, but also not uh, not uh, 
super torn about it. Like I understand at the same time uh, moving on from him and, 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 you know, he's had some injury concerns and hasn't played well during his time in Atlanta, which is, and part of the funny part of it is he was very pushy about wanting to be a starter and hasn't been starting that often in Atlanta. Um, But yeah, I I wouldn't surprise me um, that Walton, I mean, my guess would be is gone at the end of the season. I think that if the, if there's just clear, this horrible basketball that keeps happening out of Sacramento, um, which I actually think if these two Memphis games would have been played, that maybe there would have been a little bit of a better feeling after that New York game as well with a little bit of a, a kind schedule. But Sacramento's going into um, some a pretty rough stretch with um, Orlando and Toronto, Miami kind of struggling, I guess. But, I mean, these What's are all, Sacramento's record right now? As we they are sitting at 6-10, and 10, um, but started 3-4. and four. Or three and one, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, but going to Orlando, Toronto, Miami, New Orleans, Boston, Denver, Clippers, and 76ers. So, I, I mean, I think there's a world where this continues to look pretty ugly. Um, and, and that maybe Walton ends up um, as kind of the scapegoat. And, and I think that he deserves some of the blame, but... I, I, yeah. I just think if you're McNair, though, you, you, you just keep that bullet in the chamber. For sure. You know, like you just. Right. Yeah. You guys use this analogy just, on that pod. Yeah. 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 I, I just think like particularly if you're McNair and you're cool with losing and getting a top pick, which I'm almost certain he is, like right. then what, you know, just just let Luke, you know, play out the year and and decide, you know, if it's if you want to keep that bullet in the chamber for next year, or if you're ready to really, you know, you got Cade Cunningham and your new team and you're ready to put in a new, you know, a new system and philosophy, then, then you use it. But I think pretty rare, right. That a a new GM fires their coach 20 games, 25, 30 games into the first season. Right. I, I, I'm not saying it wouldn't be justified. I just, I think if you're McNair, I don't know if you do it. No, and I actually think that it's more likely than not he makes it through. Um, but I, I'm just saying I see a world where if this hor- like historically bad defense keeps up, um, that, that maybe Walton ends up getting moved on from. But more likely than not, I think he makes it through the year um, right. for the reasons you just said. Um, and and then, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in the offseason. Um yeah, okay, I wanna play I wanna play a little game here. What is, what is the best defensive lineup that you guys can roll out there? That the Timberwolves can roll out? And it doesn't matter at all what the offense is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. Um uh Cat at the five, mm-hmm. Vanderbilt at the four, Akogi at the three. Um Culver doesn't. I mean, Culver's a better defender than Malik Beasley, but he's kind of more in like the three-four bin. So maybe Beasley at the two, and then um, at the one probably Jordan McLaughlin, the yeah. three-string point guard. Yeah. So Sacramento's. I'm pretty sure I go Fox, Halliburton, um, and then Barnes and Holmes are in there, and the three. Um, Man, if Daquan Jeffries was healthy, I think he's pretty easy to slot in here. 
Um, Jordan McLaughlin. Yeah, exactly. Kings people are listening to this and going, who the hell is Jordan McLaughlin? And Wolves people are listening to this going, who the hell is Dequan Jones? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That's defense for you. Yeah, and, you know, it's just the probably one of – if Ivy the center is probably the most important defensive position, but a uh, wing is definitely up there when you're talking uh, a, a three-guard. So it's not exactly the best hole. I think I'd probably go Glenn Robinson, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. Like – I, I actually think Sacramento, this is the issue. Like, they can roll out decent defensive lineups. Um, and But just manage to look extremely unengaged at times. And most of your lineups. It's not, it's not feasible because it's like the, the problem isn't that, like, most teams have five competent defenders. It's the fact that their their best offensive players are often, you know, yeah. terrible. Well, and, Sacramento's and, lineup that I just mentioned actually probably features three of their best it actually might be four. Yeah, but Sacramento's a bad team. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You got me there. <laughs> like, I, mean, I don't know. It's it, that, That's kind of like the – it's an interesting – again, another interesting philosophical thing. Like with with both the Wolves and the Kings, as, as you go like, well, we're always going to have like two bad defenders on the floor. So to like – does it even make – can even if you go with three really good defenders around him, does it balance it out? Because we think about it that way. It's like, oh, just, you know – pour a little more defense into the cocktail. And it doesn't often work that way because teams attack the weak spot, right? And particularly in the playoffs. So with the Wolves, if it's D'Angelo Russell, you know, they're just going to set the screen and bring him up for the switch. If it's the Kings, they're going to do the same thing with, you know, Buddy Heald. Like, it doesn't matter if there's three other really good defenders around them. Obviously, it helps some, but I don't know. I don't know if you can be an average defense in the NBA if you're consistently – playing two guys who are close to zeros defensively. Yeah, it could, yeah. I mean, are they close to zero? They're pretty negative, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I'm at zero in that way. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, not, I don't mean that as a meek. I mean that as like a right. red flag. No, yeah. Um, okay, so so to close it, and I somehow managed to forget, forget – I somehow managed to forget to – I somehow managed to forget to do this. Wow. Um, on on the first iteration of this, even though the title is is Sacramento worse than um, for the Knicks, and my conclusion is I do think Sacramento is worse than New York uh, when it comes to record at the end of the year. Even though it's very close, I, and I think the difference is the coaching. Um, and New York's just going to ride their their top guys um, okay. in, in true Thibodeau style, as as you're aware. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Minnesota and Sacramento, if we were talking um, record and w- which team we think ends up with a better record at the end of the year, um, uh, again, what this kind of comes down to for me is I, I think Minnesota is going to try to win games, right? Totally. And, no, that's the answer. Like, <laughs> the Kings are going to be worse because they have their pick. Right. <laughs> and, right. And, and the Wolves, like – the only way, which would be just super bold tanking on the Wolves' part, is if they try and get, like, one of the three worst records in the league to so as to lock up a 40% chance of keeping their pick. I mean, that just doesn't that just doesn't make sense. Like, they, they won't do that because even if they do that, their pick rolls over to unprotected the following year. There's just, there's just no incentive for the Timberwolves to lose games, yeah. you know, down the stretch. Maybe, they, you know, they go, like, full development mode the second half of the year when they're 20 games under 500 just because they find that to be valuable and that leads to some losing. Is full development mode that much different than the lineups you're rolling out now, though? 
No, they're kind of in it right now, but I guess I'm, I'm more so thinking about it when, like, when you do have Cat and Wancho back okay. and, and D'Lo, like, right now you're getting to see Jaden McD- I mean, McDaniels, who's a late first-round pick, is playing a lot, actually playing pretty well. Anthony Edwards is playing a lot, but those dudes are 19, yeah. you know. Nas Reed is, is playing a ton. He's 20. Uh, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, like I said. So, that, yeah, it, I guess what I'm saying is maybe they go back to something that looks a little bit more like this. But there is going to be an extended stretch of this season, bearing yet another injury, which would just be insane, that the Wolves play and try and develop, like, some sort of identity over 30, 40 games with Cat and D'Lo both playing. Like, they have to do that. They have to be able to have that data point. So I think they will they'll really prioritize that. And then, and then like, I mean, just straight up, Cat's better than Fox. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know, I'm not trying to I, – I just, I just think when Cat is out there playing in games, the, the Wolves will be close to a 500 team. And, and that's going to, you know, that's just going to, that's just going to boost the wins. And, and they're only two behind, they're two games behind the Kings right now. Yeah. Like, and it's been a disaster in Minnesota. And if they're four and 12 and it's been an absolute disaster and there's still only two games behind the Kings, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd be, <laughs> it would be a really big problem, I think, if the Wolves are work, finish the season with a worse record than the Kings. It would, it would represent, a full-on, you know, system failure, plan failure by the whole organization. Yeah, and and I do think that, you know, Sacramento does play stretches of good basketball, and, and like, there's... Yeah, they, like they did last year, you yeah. know, the, right, the second half or whatever that was, like, flat final third. Right, right. Um, so, you know, like I said, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I start this series, and, and my whole uh, aspect of this, aside from, you know, keeping up with the league, which I've struggled to do with the shortened schedule or condensed schedule, like you mentioned, is also uh, getting a grasp on, okay, where roughly are we going to land in lottery odds, if I had to guess, um, because that that's my that's my hope I'm holding on to right now. But, you know, the, the second most promising player on the roster is a rookie. Like, that's, that's why you're allowed to do that in my mind. Um, 100%. So... Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think there is – Sacramento has a wide range. Like, I think there is a possible world where they are really, really fighting for this 10 spot. But I don't see a world where McNair is, like, making moves to push for that 10 spot. No way, man. Um, he's, he's Houston DNA. Yeah. No way. There's no way. Right. No right. way. Um, if anything, you know, Heald and Barnes are on the block. If anybody is interested in Corey Joseph, Nemanja Bielitsa, feel free, you know. Um, yeah, my it, boy Belly. Yeah. He's, he's out of the rotation. Yeah, yeah, which is the weirdest. I have no clue what's going on. Um, yeah, there, there's reports from the the coaching staff that it's a personal situation. Um, and, and then the Sacramento Bee says that uh, – there is no personal situation going on, and, and then another report comes out a few days later from. Oh, NBC. so you're you're getting you're getting the other Houston element here too. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Information lockdown. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I, I have no clue what what is going on here. Um, uh, but let me tell you, I mean, Bealis is not solving the defensive problems. So I know that. Um, yeah, it's hey, out, uh, we'll take him. I, uh, what was Belly make seven mil? Yeah. You want to trade Wancho right now? Sure. It's, it's, is Belly Belly's expiring? Oh man! If you were Monte and I was Gerson, I'd do that in a second. <laughs> I'd do that in a second. Watch has been a disaster this year, but he's young. He's twenty four, whatever. Yeah, Belly doesn't play. Belly doesn't play. Sure. Well, I I don't think 
I think you would quickly realize that Wancho shouldn't play for yeah. the Kings. But but you know, there's always a there's always a possibility. Like, yeah, people would love that. But him and Ricky are super tight. They're like they're uh, belly belly. Uh, once once Ricky got uh, got traded, started he lived in Ricky's house for like three years. Ricky didn't sell it, and Belly just moved into it. Oh wow! And, and rented it here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, I think that's all I got for you, man. Um, yep. Maybe we'll have you on at some point. Uh, when and- when do the Kings play the Wolves? Is that that yeah. you listed off the games? Not anytime soon. I'll have you on my pod before that. I uh, it doesn't look like it happens. Well, hopefully we get a second half of the season, and then it'll happen, right? Right. Yeah. It's not scheduled at the moment. We'll have some. We'll have some. We'll really be able to talk about the draft by, by that point. Yes. No. Exactly. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. We're going to have some mock drafts going on or stuff. And uh, if if you got a uh, if you're looking at a potential top three pick, then uh, we'll definitely have conversations. <laughs> oh at that man. Point. Uh, That'll be. But but Dane, I I absolutely love the pod you do, man. I think you're one of the better uh, team specific NBA pods. I definitely encourage people to check it out. Um, and where where's your writing at right now? Is it uh, SB Nation? I'm I'm not writing. Nope. Um, I mean I'm doing a couple like freelance stories here and there, but that will be like in Minneapolis specific places, so don't have people worry about that. But yeah, I I just uh, I was a beat writer for the past three years. Um, lost my job during COVID, and uh just decided to go all in on trying to do beat podcasting. So it's been a, it's been a really fun, you know, kind of venture. It's, it's, it's different, but it's, it's, it's also got a lot of the same things. I, I think it's where, um, I think, I think it's where media is moving more is into, yeah. you know, the digital space. I mean, I love writing, I love reading, uh, but I think there's, there's an increasingly growing space for, you know, in an hour long conversation, you can have a, a topic on the equivalent of 10 articles, you know? So yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I'm going, these damn West coast games are killing me because I'm doing <laughs> podcasts after them. It's like, man, can we go to New York for a little while? But yeah, um, but I'm, I've I'm, never I'm had to fun. deal with that one. No, yeah, honestly, you're in the best place. You're so in the best place to be an NBA consumer. Like that's, that's the dream. What's the latest a game ever ends there? At 10 o'clock. Like 10? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't get off the like post game Zoom call last night until like 1 a.m. my time, you know, and then you got to do a podcast afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's, oh yeah, it's insane. oh yeah. I hate, I hate, I, I love the West Coast. I hate when the Timberwolves play there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, uh, you're staying up and you're, and you're grinding through and putting out great t- content. So definitely, uh, any listeners, go check that out. There's a lot of parallels between the team as between the teams as we've kind of hinted Sadly. at here. Yeah, yeah, not uh, not the most uh, optimistic parallels or ones that you want to draw between teams, but they're definitely there. Um, and then, yeah, your Twitter, at Dane Moore NBA. Uh, anything else I'm missing here, man? No, no, that's, uh, that's all good. Thank you for having me, and uh, it's always fun to have a philosophical conversation with you. Definitely. Uh, a- anytime, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you on in the future. And uh, anybody listening, definitely check out the work that goes on at uh, Kings Herald and uh, support the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review and hear from us again in the next couple of days here.